hidden face, a hidden past, both will be revealed. The Snake Eyes Trilogy. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 94 through 96. By Larry Hama, Mark Bright, Randy Emberlin. Covers by Adam Kubert from Marvel. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. We'll make random banter a place on Earth. Random banter is a place on Earth. Oh, God, I love you. Random banter time, buddy. (laughs) Tell me a talking point of tales and tantalizing T words. Just talk to me, buddy. What's going on? I want to be on roller skates, going down Ventura, just, you know, Mm -hmm. listening to that song of blaring and seeing all the blondes wearing roller skates, too. Yeah. Do your California dreaming. And and, and they're all looking, looking beautiful. And they look at me and saying, who's that? pasty white guy that's coming out of a comic book filled basement and I hang my head in shame and go to the beach and wait for you know flex mentality to come out and kick sand in my face I don't know yep exactly I just made it I started off happy and then I went into a dark dark place welcome to life yay life So why did I pick that for this issue there, Rick? Uh, 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 heaven is a place on earth? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, come up with a reason. Why? Yeah. Yeah, just that? Just that, kind of. Yeah, heaven is a place on earth. Uh, because there's some angels, there's, um, earth, that they, that the kids realize that there's no place like home. No, it's, it's just because I like Melinda Carlisle. That's the okay. only reason why I picked that. No, it is the, the heaven on earth. It is the, the basic simple thing that the Chimelians in this go from their shopping mall of a uh, ecosystem in the heavens. They go from their shopping mall lifestyle to going back to a earth style atmosphere planet. So yep. there we go. They they did what they did. They went from one place to another. So they that's did. why I did they that. They did. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. I hear what you did. I see what you did there. And I appreciate the work that you did in making that all happen. Yes, yes. So what's been going on with you, buddy? Well, you know, let me tell you, not much, not much. I've just been doing my thing. I think that, you know, right now where we're at, we're in the middle of October, Mm -hmm. and I know that this is going to go out in, um, this is going to go out right before Thanksgiving. So to all the future people who are hearing this on the other side of the apocalypse, whatever it is, I hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving, however you decide to do your Thanksgiving, especially during this time of COVID. I I hope that you and your families have found some way to still have a celebration together, even if it has to be over Zoom or if it has to be on very long tables. You know, I I hope that you all enjoy Thanksgiving. I hope that we can, you know, kind of transition into some better times ahead. I'm hoping, but you know, whatever the case may be, hope you all are well on the other side of that great divide of October, November. Yeah, I do too. And since this is a time of Thanksgiving, I realized that I have not given thanks to our friend in real life and friend of the show, Gary. And I say this because uh, if you remember previously, I had said that my phone took a a tall drink of water and it didn't like that. Yes, yes, yes. Well, our friend Gary 
he recommended to me, he said, uh, soak it in like 100% isopropyl alcohol and drain it out and set it to the side. So I did that. I uh, took out the SIM card port and drowned it and made all the bubbles come out. And I just set it in the alcohol for you know, you know, some you know, hour or something. And then I came back, took it, drained it out. And then did that all over again and redrowned it. And uh, so I had it in isopropyl alcohol, made sure that it was just everywhere and swished it around, let it sit in alcohol for a couple of hours, took it out, and then just, uh, you know, dried it off, drained all the all the, the fluids out of there and set it off to the side for a week. You know, whatever ports open I could have, you know, like the little SIM card port, ignored it for a week, came back to it, hit the power button, said, oh, it didn't turn on. I'm like, wait, the battery's probably dead. Plugged it in. It started charging. I'm like, I'll see you in an hour. Came back. Beep, boop, boop. I have a phone again. <laughs> it's at about 99% of what it was, but it's still, it's functioning pretty great. So my totally bricked out repair shop saying the motherboard's fried got repaired by soaking it. At, <laughs> hey, as Homer says, alcohol, the cause of and solution to <laughs> all of life's problems. It fixed my phone. So happy days are here again in the phoneiverse because it's saving me, you know, whatever, the three to seven hundred dollars for a new phone huzzah congratulations i am very proud of you man i'm very proud of you that is my thanks for thanksgiving and it is tech based to again our friend gary thank you gary so much appreciated that that is wonderful i am very glad to hear that yeah I, I, good news. Yeah, we we have a good friend, Gary. Uh, he's a friend of ours for geocaching, and he is uh, he's a good, great tech guy to have. It's always good to have a couple of tech guys in your life. Yep. Let's dive into something that we say we're knowledgeable about, and that <laughs> is a comic book. Before we do that, let's talk about what we know of last comic book. Not even going to talk about the new hotness. Going to talk about something from thirty odd years ago. You better so believe it. Safe. You better believe it. That's how we roll, <laughs> Jeff. Two sentence replay, me boy. The Chimelians respond to Queen Maraud's threats of blowing up their homeworld after she destroyed the planet that they were tethered to by sending the heroic Horse Heroes Force 4 on a secret stealth mission to her galactomatic doomsday machine to destroy, disable, or defeat her forces to save the day. They were promptly captured. But never fear. Once Power Pack gets finished talking to a giant celestial Whoopi Goldberg, they will also go on a mission to Maraud's galactomatic doomsday machine to destroy, disable, or defeat her forces to save the day, where they will also be promptly captured and then give their superpowers to Maraud. Now that the... I mentioned the giant celestial Whoopi Goldberg, right? Because that is kind of a big deal. Two-sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Let's go ahead and reach into the lovely bag that the beer Santa has left you. There we go. What do we got in this actual bag with a beer in it? We have Trapdoor Brewing with our powers combined. Very nice. <laughs> this is kind of looking like a crinkle blue paper wrapping on that. And with our powers combined, it's a very Captain Planet kind of thing. There's uh-huh. a little power ring at the bottom yeah. that has a blue, you know, a white T in a blue stone around the left of the label. They've got thanks to our friends for the generous contributions. And they've got five other rings, which is, you know, yeast, hops, malt, idea, design. And with the power of, I guess, can, they have Captain Beer and beer i don't know <laughs> kind of that kind of ran out of it ran away from me but that's cool this is powers combined and why would we do powers combined well because we have somebody who has combined all of the powers to become one powerful power my goodness is that later years alex power where he's stealing all of his siblings powers dear god no that is okay. queen maraud <laughs> oh what a shocker that's a spoiler that i was not prepared for uh yeah i know i know 
I I got you. I understood. And it also shows a little Earth on the thing, uh, because and that's nice because it spoilers at the end they go back to Earth. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, they this do. is an epic Earth Day collaboration that was the brainchild of the awesome humans at Final Draft Tap House to raise money for the Columbia Riverkeeper, a local environmental group focused on protecting clean water and our climate. We use Frankie and Pilsner malt, salmon safe sterling hops, and lager yeast. We added Nelson, Mandaria, and Ella hops. And that's a 5% ABV. And this is an IPA. <laughs> smells kind of It does of not say that anywhere, yeah. but I took a sniff that and I said... That smells very... Hmm, that's, that's got... No, no, I was wrong. I was wrong. I found it. This is a dry hopped lager. The smell of it smelled like an IPA. I am, yes, it really did. So when it's dry hopped lager, I'm like, oh, okay. That is a very hoppy lager. And it is Good. a very hazy, hazy lager. I, yep. You are not selling me on the fact that this is a lager. This does wow. not look like a lager. This does not smell like a lager. No. Yeah, that smells like an IPA. A uh, little floral, little citrusy, kind of a lemony, kind of a... Yeah, yeah. This is not a... No, this is a lion can. This is a lion can. That yeah. is not a dropped... This is not a lager. This is an well, IPA. I did a, a poor pour on mine, so I've got a little bit of a, a froth head on it, which is settling down pretty quick, but there is no... Oh, no, wait, there is actually... Man, that is so hazed up that you... Uh, it hides the carbonation. It is... Yeah, there is actual carbonation in there, but it looks like it's just a dead beer, but... If you really stare at it, because this is hazed, this is opaque. Yeah, this is this is a this is a hazy hazy IPA. Yeah. I've taken a sip and already I've got the I've got the lemon flavor. I've got the floral yeah. flavors. I've got the hops. I am not getting anything that reminds me of a lager. All right, well, uh, time for me to go sippy sip. It's an IPA. That's an IPA. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah floral lemony. Uh, hmm. Am I yeah. getting lager up that? Yeah, here, here's the thing, folks. Uh, Jeff and I may not be beer experts. We may, we really are not beer experts. We just play yeah. one on podcasts. But yeah. we have done enough of these now. We have drank a wide variety of beers over the course of the show that we have started to be able to identify certain beers. And I got to tell you, I this does not have the characteristics of any kind of lager. A lager no. does not have a, a lager has is more malt forward. A lager is it's got more of a clear, crisp taste to it. You don't get the real big heavy fruit notes or hop notes it may be a lager in the style that it was brewed but does not have any of the lager taste i think there is a bit of lager in between your front taste and your aftertaste i kind of got a little like lager wave in there which is really weird it's very it is super hidden don't get yeah. me wrong on that but it was very much just like here's your foretaste and it tastes like this and it's very lemony and you get your hops kind of flavor going on it's not a bad beer it's it no. it's for an IPA, it's got very heavy fruit taste. Uh, it's got very heavy uh, floral lemons. It's got some smoothness. It doesn't have it doesn't have a very long lasting bite of the of the hops, but the hops are very much there. Yeah, they're very present, but they're not rude about it. <laughs> if that makes sense, where you just go, yes, hello hops. I know that you're here. I see you in the audience. They go, love your show. And, but they're not just like hops time in the city. You know, so if that makes any sense at all. I think it makes perfect sense. But before we dive <laughs> too much deeper into the hops, we should swim towards shore and talk about the opening credits, if you please. Power Pack, issue number 52, mid-December 1989, The Bitter End. Credits. Writer, John Bogdanov. Penciler, Mike Manley. Inker, Al Williamson. Letterer, Joe Rosen. Colorist, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Chief, Tom DeFalco. Featuring Power Pack, 
Alex Power, oldest power sibling, has no powers. Julie Power, second oldest power sibling, has no powers. Jack Power, third oldest power sibling, has no powers. Katie Power, youngest power sibling, powers, no, has. Franklin Richards, friend and son of the FF, has powers. Kofi, friend and chameleon, has powers. Friday, has powers, but is broke. The Exiled Snark Queen Mother Maraud, has all the powers powers. <laughs> nice, Rick. Nice. Aboard the planet-killing doomsday machine, Maraud, deposed Queen Mother of the Snarks, laughs in triumph. <laughs> it worked! Okay, Murad is going to be ranting and laughing for all, so I thought I would just pop in and set the scene. After the kids wish their powers over to Senorita Scales, she sees them up into the air and began her verbose villain verbalization of victory. Power surges through every fiber of my being. My victory and vengeance are assured. The amazing abilities of Power Pack are mine at last. Abilities relinquished unto me willingly by my guileless enemies who will now suffer my gratitude. <laughs> okay, okay, she's still going, she's still going. It appears that she is, shocker, going to go back on her word and use her array of powers against her enemies. And while this is fascinating and all, you may be asking about Franklin. Actually, you're right. In spite of how fascinating that was, I was about to ask about my favorite Toehead. What is he up to these days? Dream spying on Queen Maraud and his defeated friends. Why, that little scamp. I bet he's pretty upset by what he... I spied with my little eye. He sure is. He pops back into this body, which is safely protected by Friday, who is still stuck in the cargo bay being attacked by waves of snarks and robots while she is repairing herself. Things are looking pretty dire. Friday is not in a position to save the pack, and Frank can't really affect any change himself. Force 4 is not too far away, but they are headed back to the Chimelian homeworld, and they have their own problems. Friday has tapped into the other team's smart chip and can hear them performing some TV hospital drama moves on Kofi, who is more gravely injured than they realized. Yeah, Ghost Mare is fretting her little forelock over our favorite foal while trying to convince Team Leader to go back and help Power Pack. Thunderhoof is on her side, pointing out that the kids sacrificed their powers and themselves to Queen Maraud in an attempt to try and save them. He feels that their freedom is pointless if they don't use it to stop the Sinister Serpent. Even the Human Torch analog Firemane is on board with them acting like heroes. But Team Leader is by-the-book kind of horse, and that book is titled Embracing Failure and Learning to Love Running Away. He feels that since they have their oat bags handed to them by both Powerback and Maraud, that a pack powers powered up Maraud would not improve their win-loss ratio. Yep. He also feels that their best bet is to await orders from the Tectates, who have surely come up with a science-based plan to save the day. And when they scientifically save the day, then the Earthling's sacrifice will not have been in vain, and Powerpack's heroic deaths will be gloriously avenged. Okay, it's great that he wants to be an Avenger, and that he thinks that the Tectates will have a plan, but two little things. One, you can't just say that you're an Avenger. There's like a whole vetting process or something like that in place. I'm sure there's a test. There's at least a multiple choice like questionnaire. And two, Force 4 was the Tectate's plan. That was it. That, that was their plan. They threw you at the problem and said, fix it. You think their plan has gotten better since then? Huh? No, I don't. And I don't think that they're going to cowboy up anytime soon. So let's go back and check on some real cowboys. How's the pack doing? Well, partner, not so good. 
The kids are all passed out, and Murad has moved on from monologuing to monologuing with powers practice. She is showing a very surprising level of competency as she uses each power in turn, and in turn, she uses her new powers on the previous owners of the powers. Katie gets a light speed tail slap. Alex gets a powerball to the back. Jack gets density dropped to the ground. And Julie, well, Julie helps to pick up the 710 split when her and her siblings get flung to the ground by the peacocking power purloining post princess of petulance. And during this beatdown, Murad is reflecting on her son Jackal. Now when I say reflecting, you would be excused to think that she is thinking fond thoughts of her departed child. But no, 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 she's not. She is talking about what a big weakling he was to have died after burning himself out on the powers she stole for him, and how this stole away all of her plans. But that was then, and this is now. In the past, she had a loser son, and in the present, she has herself and some tiger blood, and she is obviously winning! She is also excited about the prospect of conquering her homeworld after she destroys Chimelia. But first, she wants to savor the moment by finally killing these disgusting, wiggling earth creatures that have plagued her for so long. Yeah. What was that? Why, that would be the dream self Franklin coming to save the day. Ah, yes. A concentrating Franklin is back on Friday telling her that Murad is leaving the pack alone because she is chasing around his dream form, trying to squash it. Once again, our bestest boy shows his worth. Friday is impressed by this and gives him the update that she is secretly monitoring Force 4 Smartship and that things are getting interesting over there. You see, everyone is arguing with Team Leader that they need to go back and save the pack, and that is the best chance that they have to save all of their species. But, as usual, Team Leader claims that since he is the pilot of the ship, he is in charge, and that he is taking them all back to home so that he can receive orders. Well, Ghost Mare has had enough of this and talks directly to their ship who she now believes is fully sentient and might just have a will of her own to do the thing that is right. She asks that Ship take them back to the pack. Ship is conflicted as to what to do. That is, until Friday pops in for a Zoom call and tells Ship that though they are metal and machinery instead of flesh and blood, that to be truly and freely alive is to be able to choose by the feeling in your soul or your Radio Shack circuits. That is enough for the sentient but unnamed Ship to make the decision to do the right thing by going back into a situation where they will probably get destroyed and or forgotten. So the Ship turns them around and zips back to save the day. Speaking of saving the day... Franklin is still doing just that by playing human can't-touch-me whack-a-mole with Maraud. No matter how angry she gets and how she swings, she just can't quite make contact with this annoying little earthling brat. This is giving Power Pack a chance to regroup, and then they discover that they are able to slip out of their brain fog-inducing manacles. At this point, Maraud's attention finally comes off of Franklin and back onto the kids, where they start to be on the receiving end of some Powerballs. Lucky for them, Force 4 faces in and shouts, Hey, Marad, leave them kids alone. All in all, you're just another snuck that will fall. All in all, you're just another snuck that will fall. Close enough. And the intentions are good. But what actually happens is that she gets a power-up from a blaster-wielding team leader that she uses to shoot a powerball at Firemane, taking him out, and then she fastball specials his body into team leader and Ghostmare, taking them out, and then she super-Gs a bubble force field onto Thunderhoof, crashing him to the ground and suffocating him, thus taking him out. Not content to let time take its toll on Thunderhoof, she decides to speed the process up by degrabbing a chunk of machinery to smash him into the great beyond. 
But this is where Jack jumps in. Wrong move, lizard breath. You forgot that when you decravitize something, you become weightless too. Something which I know, because that's my power you're using. And with that, Jack grabs her by the tail, spins her around, and throws her into a wall. Throom! And I may not be able to shrink down and do my Julie hammer anymore, but I can stomp you full size right on that tender snout all you snarks have. Way to go, Julie. But if that doesn't stun her, this will. And Alex mostly hits her with a big chunk of pipe. Gring! Before she turns into her cloud form. <laughs> Enough! You can't hit a cloud of mist! Well, I need but surround you in this form and disintegrate you using one of your own powers! It's at this stage that a recovered ghost mare leaps at the children and faces them just in the nick of time. But this leads to an apparent problem. You see, it's a math problem. There are too many potential victims and not enough ghost mare to go around. You got one ghost mare and like seven other participants. It just, the math doesn't add up. So Murad goes over to gut the gadgeted chameleon fish that is team leader, knowing full well that her guards will open fire on power pack if ghost mare leaves them to save anyone else. Her victory is assured, all because she knows math. Stay in school, kids. Um, actually, the only things assured in life are death and taxes, and being interrupted by your underlings at key moments. Much like the underling that interrupts Maraud and tells her that they are going to arrive at Chimelia shortly. That is enough for Maraud to stop what she is doing, dump an ungutted team leader onto the floor, and wander off to shake her energized fist at a monitor for some reason. I think that she's practicing her victory monologue to the Chimelians. Hmm... Maybe. Maybe. It is on brand for her. Julie takes this reprieve to say that it is her fault that all of this is happening. If only she hadn't let Maraud take their powers. Alex takes a more global view of this, though. It's all our fault. We should have known you can never bargain with terrorists. True as that may be, Ghostmare points out that their actions saved all of their lives and the life of Kofi, who was on their smart ship recovering. They also bought them time. And where there is time, there is hope. But hope can easily turn into hopelessness, as Ghostmare states that her and her teammates have failed twice already on this mission, and that they are unworthy of all the trust and effort that their masters have put into them. Don't feel bad. You guys did your best. But their best just wasn't good enough. Calm down. Calm down, Jeff. You're right. You're right. This sparks a realization in Julie, and she pep-talks Ghostmare. Sure, Power Pack slapped you and your team around in the arena. And sure, Maraud has slapped you and your team around twice on this mission already. And sure, your homeworld is about to be destroyed. And sure... Uh... Where am I going with this pep-talk? You know, actually, I think you were right. I, I, I think their best wasn't good enough. Yeah. But I think you were also going to Numinous. Julie tells Ghostmare about Numinous and how she sent them back here to teach chameleons how to find their true selves, even though she really has no idea how to do that. That's it. Good pep talk. Not really, but it does get Murad's attention and she pops a powerball to shut them up. She then opens up Alexa announcements to Camellia to let them know that they are well and truly hosed. Nobody is left to save them now. Buh bye Julie charges Murad as she is about to pull the trigger on her Galactomatic to destroy Chimelia once and for all. Again. But they are interrupted by... Boom! The two smart ships attacking her command base. Murad knows that this attack was a distraction, and she is right, as the real attack is coming from inside the room. Julie jumps up and gives Murad's tail a regular-sized, regular-girl version of a regular Julie hammer. Stomp! 
and it's quite effective. Julie races back for the phase cover of Ghostmare, but Maraud is lightspeed fast and knocks Julie cups over Tea Kettle multiple times. My tail's all but lame for the stopping you gave it, and you're going to pay. I'm coming in for the kill, Hatchling. You're hack. Plus. Murad crashes headfirst into the floor as Julie flies away, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. But how is that possible? Julie says that she could feel her power in Murad, and that she just pulled on the invisible strings that bind her power to her. This excites Alex to no end as he runs up and grabs Murad's tail. Yahoo! I get to have my G-Powers again! I'll just degrav Maraud and throw her out of here! Uh, I said, I'll just degrav her and... Uh, <laughs> hmm. Seems like Alex is having a little trouble there. Mm. Well, his trouble is about to double because Maraud has recovered and clouded out of his grasp and put him into hers. No, no! I won't let you cheat me! You can't take your powers back! If you're all dead, you'll never foil me again. I'll crush. It's at this point in the scrum that the Mass Master and G-Power sets play shoots and ladders with Alex clouding out of Murad's crushing grasp and Katie degrabbing her and chucking her across the room. Wham! Hey now, wait a minute. Katie's got the gravity power. Julie's got her old power back. And Alex can go cloudy. Then that must mean that I get... <laughs> the destroyer power! Jack purposely strides over and then onto the prone post-princess of power purloining, grabs her by the collar, and then starts to glow with an energy-laden fist raised high into the air. No, no not you! That's right, lady. Me! I got it! And now you're gonna get it! First we're gonna plow, then we're gonna glow, then we're gonna fly. Go, kitty, go. Power Pack's gonna give it to you. They're gonna give it to you. Pack's gonna give it to you. They're gonna give it to you. First we're gonna plow, then we're gonna glow, then we're gonna fly. Go, kitty, go. Power Pack's gonna give it to you. They're gonna give it to you. Pack's gonna give it to you. They're gonna give it to you. Where my power's at? I know that Mirage got them from us. Give them up, cause we'll get them back. And get them powers back, they do. Much to the fear of Murad. You see, Murad knows in her heart of hearts that Jack is a terror, and a terror with destroyer powers. Well, that is a fear that is justified. You chum, I can disintegrate your behind. Um, um, gods, attack please, quickly. Attack they do. A horde of snarks and robots into the room, ready to pate. Sadly, it's not a very fun party for everyone. A robot smashes Murad in the head while trying to attack Julie. Said robot getting smashed in return by the disgruntled dictator. Alex flounders around trying to Alex hammer some foes, but discovering that he can't shrink down and that it is painful to body smash foes when you are not super dense. On the plus side, he does bemoan the fact that he gets the lamest power. Ah, Alex. Never happy with anything he gets. Never change, buddy. Never change. You know who is happy with the powers that they got? Katie! She is a one-woman smash team able to break anything she touches. Just like she could before, but this time with gravity. Force 4 is missing out on the big fight scene, but Ghostmare is astute enough to notice that Murat has made her way to the trigger of her planet killer. She phases over to stop her, but she's too late. The switch is thrown, and the chameleon homeworld pays the iron price. 
but not so fast. Another switch is thrown, this one within the daughter of Chimelia, as she mentally bears witness to the death of all she knows and loves. Her soul expands, billowing out like a sail unfurled. It fills with life imbued with the power of matriarch. And what exactly does that mean? She ate a rare candy and evolved into a being that is able to phase every single life form on her homeworld, be it plant, animal, chimelian, or smart ship. Chimelia is dead. Long live Chimelia. Which is great, but she is the only one that knows this. Thunderhoof expands his second win and charges the Killer Queen, hitting her with a punch that would make the ever-loved and blue-eyed thing proud, yelling that he is going to kill her. Matriarch stills the equine engine of extreme extermination with a shoulder touch and an explanation. Ever since Power Pack arrived, she has been reevaluating her life. Every character flaw, every feeling of shame for not being able to live up to the technocrat's expectations, everything that she has been suppressing in herself were actually doorways to her true self. This confused her until Julie said that they were sent by Numinous to teach them. It's at this point that the Dungeon Master comes out from behind the curtain. I mean, Byroll teleports in and provides even more exposition. He expounds on how wonderful the matriarch is for showing them the error of their ways and saving them by phasing the entire race. This also has allowed them all to see her enlightenment. So, she has given them all the touch, and now they are all leveled up? Sure. Okay. What else could possibly happen now? Nimina shows up? Of course she does. Like an unchained melody, she appears onto the scene and says that she stopped time long enough for Ghostmare to final form, and that the kids should be proud that they helped the chameleons find their true destiny. Yeah, they now have a true destiny, but they don't have anywhere to live. What's up with that? The giant purple lady says it was time for them to get out of that food mall court that they lived in and get into the courtyard. Byrell gets this immediately. He waxes poetically that they destroyed their natural world with technology and then wrapped themselves in the same technology to make an environment that suited their egos, not realizing that they were instead shaped by that environment. They gifted life to machines, all while making their own lives more mechanical. They lost their souls, their very nature. But linking to Matriarch has caused his species to be reborn. Cool story, bro. But they still don't have anywhere to live. Or don't they? No, they, they don't. We just, like, covered that. True, but Whoopi Numinousberg has a fix for that. She mentions an odd thing that she noticed. Yeah, okay. The gas giant that was destroyed had some moons, and one of them is about the same size as Chameleon's original Motherworld, and... Weirdly enough, its orbit has shifted around its sun to be pretty close to what their original mother worlds was, and that while it was a frozen lump before, now it will warm up and have water. In fact, strangely, it's just got about everything that is needed to be a real planet. You know, save for having some loving, respectful inhabitants to live on it. Wink, 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 nudge, wink. See, stop me if you've heard this old chestnut before, but... All of this destruction actually moved the planets to create a world ready to be terraformed and moved onto, provided by a giant Whoopi Goldberg-shaped celestial. The non-singing, not non-celestial, then calls it a day and later gators out. Later on Camellia 3.0. Home of the ecologically engineering equines. Planetary cake is just about finished cooking in the Easy Bake Oven, and the intelligent race is really pushing the planet through some serious growth spurts. At the same time, Kofi explains that the technocrats are making a fuss and saying how much they could improve the new natural homeworld with some salvaged harbor from Marad's Starkiller base. 
It's like they never learned anything, isn't it? Nah, they just feel left out and are resentful of the fact that Matriarch is in charge now. No one wants the Technos to take over again, and people are ready for a change. Heck, even Kofi's father, Yurik, is on board. This fact alone is so impressive that Kofi is thinking about sticking around. Good for him. But Power Pack is ready to call it a day. They are ready to get back to their parents and see if they can repair the mind fix that Yurik's put on them. Alex also drops a reality-bending plot point that Friday will do some hyperspace time work that will get them back home only a day later than they promised. Power Hack is going to have access to time travel? That is crazy OP. I wonder what they'll do with this. Probably forget about it, like they would do at the end of every Star Trek episode. Ah, of course. And now we start the movie resolution as we check in with all of the friends we have met on this wacky adventure. The remains of Force 4 drop in to show off their fashionable new togas and to tell the pack that they and others are developing new abilities that they never dreamed of, all thanks to their new healthy living lifestyles and eating organic. They also stop by to deliver an invite to them and Friday to come and see Matriarch. Upon landing at the meeting spot, they are greeted by Matriarch and Byrell to say, Thank you. And to say that they are sorry for how Power Pack was treated. She also goes on to explain the fates of the Snarks. They've been given a choice. Transport back to Snark World or exile onto a small remote continent with enough plants, seeds, and supplies to make a go of it. Murad is in this group, which means that she is doubly exiled. Which is quite a feat. Next, Yurik drops in to apologize and say that he is working on a fix for the parents. Kofi explained earlier that he was trying to become a better healer again, and this is part of his penance. He also repeats his previous warning. If the parents are confronted with the truth of their children unprepared, the mind fix could break on its own, resulting in mental trauma that human minds would not be able to handle. Yeah, I really wouldn't worry about that. This is the Marvel Universe. Nothing crazy ever happens here. Yeah, sure. The magic space horses say goodbye to the human hosts of some of their magic powers, while the newly enhanced spiritual guide of this race informs the smart ship Friday that she should lead other smart ships in recognizing their independence. Ah, yeah. Well, I guess in the Marvel Universe, strange and crazy are really graded on a heck of a curve. True, true. And the kids and Friday take off with Kofi, who is excited to spend some time planetside with his adoptive family. And upon landing back on Earth, we get to see how excited the power parents are to see their kids. After the hugs and kisses and the tears of joy, Alex and Julie break the news to their parents about the mind fix that Yurik did to them, while carefully avoiding any references to their superhero lives. It is some amazing verbal cartwheels Alex and Julie perform, explaining that the funny horse aliens rewrote their brains to make them accept the weird stuff that has been happening. But their speech does not seem to surprise or faze the parents. Yeah, they laugh it off and tell their children they are well-educated, liberal-minded individuals, so why wouldn't they be open-minded about their children's friends? They also say that what with being attacked by the boogeyman and thinking that their kids were superheroes, that they would have already had their permanent nervous collapse because the human mind is much more complex than he realizes. Then they say something about how tricking someone, even if they think it is for their own good, is wrong and that a lie will always catch up to you and stuff. But you know, I and the kids, we weren't really paying attention because look, Kofi and Franklin are running up. Hey guys, we missed you. And as the red sun sets through the pink sky, beyond freshly cleaned, dolphin-filled waters, Jim Power asks the question that any good father would of his children. Now, how about taking us all for a short spin in the spaceship before supper? Finis. Next issue, Acts of Vengeance. (laughs) Is that an an excited sound you were making? Because I don't know what's coming up, and I'm excited to see it, because it's Power Pack. 
Is it exciting and awesome? Was that shivers of joy? Now we're going to talk about the Power Pack packaging time. Wow, that's some obfuscation that you're doing there. That is some shifting the subject matter. I've forgotten what we Poof, were even talking smoke about. Smoke cloud. Poof, smoke cloud. Smoke bomb. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We have Power Pack No More. That's right. The issue number 52 has Power Pack No More. Big old letters right there. I mean, this is what you put on the last issue of a comic book. This is, is not the last issue of the comic book. No. Nope. We got 10 more issues to go before that happens, sir. Uh-huh. We've got Bogdanov and Barda. This is their picture, and it's very cool. You have this giant explosion going up as you see Camellia just explode, and like pieces of it are falling apart, and you see Friday kind of skating in front of the explosion. The kids are all walking on a pockmarked moon planet, and they're all in their civilian clothes holding their power pack costumes but wait but wait but wait those are not their power pack costumes well franklin is holding his he's holding his red one but katie's holding the white gravity one and jack is holding the yellow energizer one and julia's holding her old lightspeed one and alex is holding a blue one over his shoulder hmm this comic is giving it away if you've been paying attention it's true it's true i thought it was kind of a cool little touch there no, it's also kind of cool because you got Friday and Friday has their uh, like arm hands extended out. Friday is either pleading with them like, no, please don't leave. Don't leave. Or it's just like, hey, what's the matter? What's the matter <laughs> you? Ah, what Fri- up? Because Friday has turned into a character of Italian. Yeah. All right. Hey. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Pasta. Now, this is this is a very cool cover. I, I do like this. The kids all look upset or dejected as they're walking away. It, it's a very cool and very uh, striking cover. It's it's a really good one. This is this is one I put up on a wall. Oh, yeah. It is a great cover. It looks so good. This is what's going to be on our website when we're done with the series. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I think you're Hey, you know what? Yeah. On the nose. That's great. I love it. Unpacking the power of power pack. No more. No more. And then and we'll... Photoshop us in walking with our Power Pack t-shirts slung over our shoulders. <laughs> Whereas issue number 50 was a bit of a retelling of a lot of issues. This is a tiny bit of a retelling, at least in some parts of 25, when the kids start bit. to get their powers back. Yeah. It's a lot of the same way. It's I mean, in the first version, we had Jackal. He was burning up and he was shedding powers as his body was rejecting them. Mm-hmm. In this one, the kids are like, no, 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 no. That's my power. Give it back. Give it back. In a way, yes. In uh, the Jackal shedding his powers, it was along the lines of he would be using a power and that would be the power that would go to the kid. And it was kind of the same with Maraud. <laughs> Save for the Energizer slash Destroyer power, where Jack was like, hmm, there's one left and there's one left of us and I know <laughs> what I'm getting. And I will walk up to you with big Destroyer energy and stand upon you knowing what power I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is one way of definitely looking at this. Mm-hmm. I think let's let's go in and talk about the new power lineup. We'll we'll okay. talk about this. The only thing I'm gonna start up with saying is I'm gonna say that it is a shame and it is a travesty that they did not give one of the boys the flight power. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe there would be something about having the kids wearing the pink costume. Maybe that's it, which I'm like Come on, get over it. But it's, yeah, you know, yeah. early 90s. Okay, sure. Yeah, it's a rose color anyway. Yeah, the boys falling around with a, a rainbow trail behind them. Yeah. Maybe they felt like they had painted themselves in a bit of a corner with that. I still think that it would have been a kind of a cool 
to have one of the kids have the flight power. That could have been neat. I, I think it probably would have been really cool to have Alex have the flight power. And I guess I would I would leave Katie with the, the cloud power and Julie with the energizer power. Except the thing is, I like Katie with the G power. It is pretty neat. I love the fact, too, as soon as she gets it, they're even commenting. They're like, it's like she was born to it. And she can, you know, yeah. and she's fighting snarks and the snarks are all like, don't get near her. She breaks anything she touches, which is so Katie. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've kind of set that up. I think that Julie with the G-Power, it could have been interesting, but I think mm-hmm. Katie is better with it. Katie's a good choice. And I, I think Katie with the Cloud Power is not as fun either. No, so no. I can't see those choices. Any power that goes to anybody, honestly, is probably fine. I am curious to see Jack with the Destroyer Power because that freaked Maraud out because it's like instinctively yeah. she knows that this is a dangerous kid and now he's got a dangerous power. And oh, man. I also wonder if he's going to go energy junkie like Alex has. I don't think so. I don't know. We'll find out. I will say this. I I am having troubles remembering too much of the next 10 issues. Mm -hmm. I know that there are certain points in the next few issues that I kind of am dreading looking at, but I've I've held off on on rereading them. I think I might have to do a quick run through and read the rest of them, but I cannot remember if there's, if he goes down that path. I don't think he does. I think so. Amazingly enough, amazingly enough, Jack is more responsible with the energizer power. He's not afraid of it. And yet, at the same time, he still respects it. Yeah, no, which is great. I think that, uh, honestly, Jack in the Dragon Run series kind of understood... You know, he learned the hard way when he knocked D'Angelo off of the roof, you know, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, D'Angelo, I might have killed a man, you know, and he was like really right. worked up by that. And I think, although for all of his bravado and everything, I think he's just very confident in the sense where he's like, yeah. I can wreck some stuff with this power, but I also understand how to not wreck stuff. Right. You know, right. He, he's probably going to end up doing some interesting stuff with that. The concept of him having it. I think that's mm-hmm. very cool. And at the same time, Alex, once again, complaining about the power yeah. he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he wanted the destroyer power, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be destroyer. I'm gonna be so butch." And he's like, "Hey," and he just kept messing it up. And now he's complaining about the the cloud power. And yeah, yeah I like the cloud power. I think it's great. You get flight, you get phasing, you get shrinking, you get density, you get armor out of it, you get force fields. And, and Julie just unlocked all the secrets of it. And you yeah. know, Alex is kind of like, well, it's kind of lame, even though it's got all these cool facets to it. Well, your siblings have figured out everything great about that power. Yeah. Jack yeah. unlocked how to shrink and how to really use that as an offensive weapon. Julie figured out how to do the cloud and also just kind of make herself bigger. You yeah. know, there's a lot that you can do with it. I mean, he was even sit there and that's kind of why I almost wanted to give him the, the flight power just mm. so he could complain about that. Yeah. Oh, I have to wear pink. Oh, I've got a rainbow flying after me. I think uh, that I, I think look that like if, a sissy. Uh, all I can do is fly. I think if Jack got the flying power, Jack would like, you're going to make fun of my ribbon. You're going to make fun of my pink. Yeah. Come on. Let's go. Come bring it. Bring it to me. Yeah. Jack might be like, Jack pink. would own it. Jack would he'd own work it. it. He'd make it work though. Yeah. He'd stand tall. He'd, he'd make it work. proud. Yeah. He'd be very yeah. proud with it. He'd be great. Give Jack a power and he's going to be like, you know how I can weaponize this? So, <laughs> <laughs> Weaponized rainbows, baby. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, yep, yep. I-, I think the parts about this book that I like a lot are the fight with Queen Maraud, even though it's a bit of a rehash of Jackal and, yeah. the, and the kids getting their powers. I still like it. I like the fact yep. that like, yeah, Jack's got the, the Energizer power. The bits with Force 4, I'm, I'm done with them. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. over Force Four. I I'm they're one note, and even Ghostmare, who's the best and most interesting, they, they kind of gave her the ring of invincibility and moved her up 
20 levels all at once. And it's yeah. like, ah, she's not as interesting anymore. Well, you know, she went from uh, Radagast the Brown to Gandalf the White pretty darn yeah, quick. Nice, you know, she did nice. that solo level where it's just like, as we all know, as we gain power and abilities and knowledge, our clothing changes and we get uh, better hair. Well, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm still waiting for. I'm still waiting for that clothing and, and hair upgrade. Uh, no doubt. That's happening. why. Yeah, that's why I wear uh, rundown tennis shoes and jeans and t-shirts and uh, need to shave to hide my male pattern baldness. So you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of these days I'm going to level and I'm going to look beef, baby. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much I really enjoy her becoming the matriarch. I mean, it's um, it's. I it's, think it's fine. I think. Ooh. No, uh, well, it ties into kind of the story they were setting up before. Sure. Or it's like, uh, you know, before when they were Earth, you know, we'll say Earthbound uh, and they had their powers, they, you know, they had sorceresses. Mm-hmm. And the sorceresses, you know, like figured out how to type into the life energy of the cosmos. And that is what the energy that they then give life to the smart ships with and everything. And so it's, I, I see it very much as. You know, matriarch. It's on the nose. It's making yeah. it a matriarchal society. It is about caring. It's about compassion. It's about growth. It's about nurturing. It is sure. about getting away from your artificial, you know, preconceptions and getting back in touch with who you are. I'm fine with it. They went with that because it is the exact opposite of what the technocrats are or the tectates, as they call them as well. They give the tech people a handful of names. I want to like the story. I think it's got some good beats in it. I think it's got some good ideas in it. It's just maybe it's that. There's such a weird disconnect between all three issues of this run. Yeah, there's that. And the, the numinous drop-in stuff is always very kind of jarring because it's just, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, we're going this storyline. We got this kind of, and here's Q and he's brought the mariachi band. It's a celestial, which are, yeah, kind of, the celestials really are just giant space beings that watch and observe and do something eventually and mm-hmm. you got one of those who's acting like q that is a best friend it, it's not snarky yeah. q it's it's like hey it's buddy, q. it's buddy q yeah but not giving you all the information just enough information it's almost annoying it's like either tell us what's going on or stay out of our way you know yeah. choose something mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're coming in here and scaring us is what you're yeah. doing <laughs> yeah so you got that going on but i think it's also it, it's something to do with there's like the first issue was giant size. Oh, yeah. Then you have the second issue, which is a different artist. And the mm-hmm. plot beats are just a little different. And then you have the third book, which is a little bit longer. Different artist as well. Different artist. And the plot beats kind of go back to what the first issue was. And it's like, I don't know what's happening. I, I don't is, know. There is some uh, discordance with this run. It's good. It's interesting. It's, you know, a lot happens in it. It's pretty yeah. neat. But it is, there's a dissonance going on, which is jarring because it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, uh, uh. I still enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if I like it. I, that's uh, the problem. I get that. I understand that. Yeah. We should talk about the art. And this is done by Mike Manley. I do recognize his art a bit because he is one of the co-creators for Marvel Comics Starcock. I like his style. I actually do like a lot of the stuff he does. He's kind of in that house 90s Marvel style. He's not the Jim Lee or Todd McFarlane or that new style, but he's on that in that first wave of house style in the 90s where they kind of bumped things up 
out of the 80s style and started making a little bit more artistic, just a little bit more of the real action lines on it. So you can kind of see that style in here, but the kids are good. I mean, it's it's notoriously hard to draw kids, and I think mm -hmm. he does a really good job with drawing the power kids. Yeah. I, it's definitely a step up from last issue. I like the art in this. I like the action. I think he's got good backgrounds, and he's got good characters. He's made some choice differences on, on a few of the characters, but I, I don't mind it. The snarks look right. It's good. What's your thoughts? That's you mentioned the snarks looking right. Some of them do. The snark stylings on these has really fluctuated, and the sizing of like uh, Queen Maraud because she is well, she's got powers. So she's I'm got really powers now, so we can. When Jackal got powers, he got he was buff to begin with. But yeah, when he, was... he got powers, he became buff boy. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll just give it that. Uh, snarks get powers, they get big. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no, the art is it's very workable. There are bits in here where I'm like, I like the way that he draws Queen Maraud. Mm. I really like that. There's a couple of Thunderhoof ones that I think, you know, that he draws that I think looks really good. I like uh, how he's drawn Matriarch. Yeah. You know, there's things in here where, where I where it's like, oh, that looks really good. But it's also, it's a very working man's art, if that makes sense. Where it's yeah. like, it it's like, yeah, this is super functional. This works really well. But it's Workman Day where you're like, yeah, that's, that's great. But nothing's like, holy smokes, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So, yeah, I can tell this energy going around Maraud. Yeah, I can tell this fire around Fire Man. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. I can t you know it. It, it function. It's very functionalist. It works very well for what it's trying to do. It's not wowing you. Like like I said, it's 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 house art from early nineties. It's yep. what you expect. Yep. It's it's a it's definitely not what we're used to from the late eighties. True. It's definitely just it's it's a little different style than John Bogdanov's art, but it's it's True. it's something new that's coming out. But it's just it's just generic a little bit little little generic yes little generic and then and then at the end we have a pretty quick wrap-up it's like oh kids parents still broken we're gonna work on yep. that we'll try to fix it don't don't try to break them anymore they'll they're fragile be careful <laughs> we promise we're gonna do better with our society it's gonna be all aces here don't you worry none yep we'll be an entirely different species the next time you see us entirely different mm -hmm. and uh you know no more no more problems we haven't done any other hanky panky stuff at all None. <laughs> Promise. Probably. Unless a, unless a new writer comes along and retcons something. But we haven't done anything else, hanky-panky. Yeah, well, th that's the thing about comics, though, too, is you can, you can if you have a long-standing writer, they tend to have maintain you know consistency through their stories. You get a new writer in, maybe they're going to follow in that same vein, and maybe you know, Van Lent taking over from Mark Sumerak in the All Ages mm -hmm. Power Pack books, where you're like, this is very Mark Sumerak, but refined. It's like, wow, this is really good storytelling. So it, it does, it, like you were saying, it depends on the writer because some writers come in and they're just like, nah, actually, I think this and this and just changes everything around. So it, it can happen. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is going to be one of the last times we see John Bogdanov writing the kids. I do believe that he is back for one more issue in a couple of issues where he is going to be doing the art and his wife is going to be writing, but I believe this is his last script. Oh, it, it saddens me so much that I just, I really don't want to talk about a library card, but Jeff, Jeff has something he wants to say from his deep, dark, dank, smelly science corner. <laughs> it's because I'm heartless and don't understand emotions or feelings like Rick does. Pretty so much, can, pretty much. Yep. In that case, we'll do a little bit of cowboy science. So, in this issue, a very unlikely occurrence happened in which a moon of the destroyed gas giant got knocked into a new orbit around its sun and ended up able to sustain life. Well, 
This got me thinking, what is this life-sustaining region of space called? It turns out that this region of space is called the habitable or Goldilocks zone. And this zone is the area around a star where it is not too hot and not too cold for liquid water to exist on the surface of a planet. Rocky exoplanets found in the habitable zones of their stars are more likely targets for detecting liquid water on their surface. So why is liquid water so important? Life on Earth started in water, and water is a necessary ingredient for life as we currently know it. Now imagine if Earth is where Pluto is. The sun would barely be visible, about the size of a pea, and Earth's ocean and much of its atmosphere would freeze. On the other hand, if Earth took Mercury's place, it would be too close to the sun and its water would form a steam atmosphere quickly boiling off. I am happy to say that we are all roommates together in this habitable zone, and I am also happy to say that that was this week's Science Corner. Thank you, thank you very much, and from there, let us move away from the Goldilocks zone into the crafting into the kitchen where she ate the the porridge and I mm, refrigerator gallery what's the picture on the what's the picture you want to put on the refrigerator tell, tell me you're funny tell me you're funny <laughs> oh, you ah. an amazing word picture there ah. my joke backup is on page three ah, ah, ah. I, I, I I see what you're doing here I might be doing the same thing nice. I would say this is in the bottom corner. It is in the bottom right-hand corner, and I call it blap. I call it raspberry to a monster. Very, very nice. This is, so this is your joke backup as well? Yes, yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. Yep, this is where Dream Franklin has showed up to distract Maraud from killing the uh, disabled power kids. And yeah, it's just him blowing a raspberry with, with his thumbs in his ears, wiggling his fingers around. And, and Murad, at this point, looks like one of those little gas station little <laughs> monsters that you get put on yeah, a finger. Yeah, little finger puppets, like, ah. yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> her mouth is open like, ah! It's a pretty funny picture. I, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's, that's, a good that, one. that's a good one. If you want to move forward to page nine for my top funny one, yep. and this is in the upper corner, mm-hmm. and I call this one Reap the whirlwind. Yeah. <laughs> and this is where Jack, not being powered up, but realizing that Murad is de-grabbed, he's like, hey, wait, I know what happens to you when you're like that. Grabs her by the tail and swings her around because he knows she ain't nothing but a light feather. And he's swirling her around like a whirlwind. So reap the whirlwind, my friend. Reap the whirlwind. Very nice. This was on my list. And uh, it's also funny because uh, he's spinning her so hard that he knocks the colorist uh, for a loop. Well, yeah, that happens, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, it's kind of like uh, mm, the colorist forgot to uh, color in characters at the above the floor line. Well, my joke backup is on page 17. And I call it, these boots were made for walking. <laughs> and this is the middle left-hand panel of uh, Jack striding towards and then on top of Maraud's belly, walking up to her <laughs> fist cock to go claim his destroyer power. <laughs> I just love this because he's just like, yeah, I'm going to walk on you. That's how little respect I have for you and little fear. And I love the fact too, she's just, no, no, not you. That's right, lady, me. I got it. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get the destroyer power. Oh, yeah. I'm going to oh, yeah. walk over you to get what's mine, baby. Here we go. This is coming. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Are you ready for this? Do, 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 do. All right. Turns let's out go she to was the... not. <laughs> Turns out not so much. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the best ones. If you would mm-hmm. like to turn to page one, I am taking the splash page on page yeah. one. 
this is what I call trophies. And this is Murad laughing up a storm, holding up the four kids, two in each hand, and just laughing as she holds her trophies. And they're all yes, just it. limp rag dolls. Oh, and yeah. Julie, Julie's being held up by her hair. That's Katie. Oh, Katie and Julie are both being held oh, up Katie by their hair. Katie and Julie both are. They're being yep. held up by their hair. Yep. That's just mean. No, that's pretty nasty. Uh, this was so good that it actually made my first place one. And I Woo-hoo. called it. Yeah, I called it Trophy Hunter. Nice. Nice. We almost yep. got the same one there. Yeah, just about. <laughs> You're like, page one? I'm on page one. Trophy? I got trophies. Nice. We are cutting down the list of pictures we've got here. What is your backup yep. one? My backup is on page 11, and I call it Threatening Stance. And this is the middle right-hand panel of the comic. I just I just love the way that Mike Manley has drawn Maraud in this. Maraud is you know, reaching forward to grab an unconscious team leader to, to just gut him. And I just, I really like how she looks. For whatever reason it is, I'm just, it's very sinuous yet snarkly. It's just, it just looks great. She's got very thin legs and kind of yep. through on the crooks of the legs. You see Ghost Mare looking all, ah, what's going on? Yep. Yeah. It's very, very cool looking. I like it. Very good choice. Very good choice. So, good choices all around. Wait, I got a top one yet. And I'm oh. actually surprised you didn't choose this for your top one. Really? What is it? You were you were very close with your funny one. But if you uh-huh. go back to page 17, and at the bottom of the page, it's Jack Unleashed. <laughs> and this is where Jack has made his trip up the stomach of Murad. He is powered up, and he's sitting there holding on to Murad, and he's all glowing. And he is saying, yo, chum. I can disintegrate your behind. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is a great picture. Yeah, there's some neat stuff. I like the one above it, too, where he's got his fist cocked with energy pouring out of it. And he's glowing and he's yeah grabbed her by the scruff of her lapel and is just like, wonder what's going to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some good pictures, but I have a question. Are there good insults? Rubber and glow moment. What was the best or most childish insult in the book? Page seven is my backup. Same here. Cursed little earthling brat. Oh, yep, up at the top panel. Mine is on a closer to the bottom right-hand panel. And this is after she's uh, snuffed the flame of fire mare and is about to uh, chuck him into her into his friends. And, he, and she says, Hmm, too well done for me. I prefer my chameleon horse meat cooked medium rare. It's a good taunt. It's a very good taunt. It's a very good taunt. I liked it just, it just just for the simple fact that it's just like, oh, I hit you with a powerball. Oh, you're a little too well done now. And it's like, oh, I've not only hit you with a powerball, but also you're not cooked to my preference. Wait a minute. Does she eat chimelians? She does probably. Don't you? Wait, uh, wait, I, I, wait. You, you. I have. You have. You yes. have. Yes, I've eaten their earthbound uh, compatriots in Iceland. It was yes, delicious. So good. <laughs> Literally amazing flavored meat. That was so tasty. So, so good. Mm. Uh, yes. I would like to put out my top insult, and that is back on page 17. I could not get away from that panel. Mm-hmm. Yo, chum, I could disintegrate your behind. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> As far as it goes with a taunt or an insult... I mean, it's all the things right there. It's it's him. <laughs> it's him laying down the line and him saying, "Yo, yo, chum." It, I I love it. I'm sorry. I yeah. love it. It's smack. No, talking. it's a good one. It's a really good one. What about you? What you got? 
I picked another Maraud one on page There's three. A lot. There's a lot There's of Maraud's. Maraud's got a lot of great stuff. This is on page three, and this is when she's testing out her powers, and she's kind of grumping about her deceased son, Jackal, uh, and she's saying, So what if the transfer process I used the first time was faulty? Jackal was always soft as a mammal anyway. Serves me right for expecting a male to help me crush patriarchy on my world. Yeah. Fair enough. I just love soft as a mammal. She throws out some uh, pretty hefty shade in this. Yes. She's got a lot of good, good insults here. Mirage just talks. She talks a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. And that's a problem. That can make a character be very annoying. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes people who are very succinct with their talking mm-hmm. and to the point are sometimes seen as better characters. There's so that. stars in detention. What is the best character? What is the worst character of Power Pack in this issue? Oh, I see what you did there. I see what I did you there. You tied it right in. I tied it right in. Oh my goodness, you I made seg- a bow out of that. I segued that, baby. You segued that. You 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 layered on layers. You made uh, some sort of flaky, layered, crusty Jeff yumminess. right now is on his way for the worst character, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But since we start with the worst, mm-hmm. who do you have for your worst? Oh, Alex. Yep, Alex. Yep, yep. He was not acting like a leader. No, no, and no. Just no. He it's... was not acting like a leader. Julie was more of a leader. Jack was more of a leader during this yep. one. He was not being a leader, and he was being oh, Mr. Whiny Pants. He was Mr. Negative Nelly again. He was just like, oh, I got this power. I don't like it. It's like, you got a power, man. That's awesome. Everybody else is figuring it out. Figure it out. Come on. Yeah, figure it out. But anyway, it's just like, you have powers. You've seen your siblings use them and be like, you know, be amazing with them. It's, yeah, or, figure it out, like Rick said, or just be happy that you have anything. Or check this out. Your brother didn't have powers when he whirled around Queen Maraud. Yeah. Figure it out. You're, Figure yeah, it you're out, supposed Jack. to be the smart one. Figure it, Figure out, it out, Yeah. Yeah, I'd give it to Alex. You know, you could go, oh, it's Kofi. He was unconscious throughout the entire thing. And then he was kind of like, you know what? My dad's coming around. We're kind of figuring stuff out. I'm sorry about what's happened. I think I'm going to stay with my family, you know, yeah. here on Camellia. You know, it's Franklin was even great. He's like, I'm dream selfing in and I'm helping. Yeah. Alex just kind of, kind of grumped. He did not really compose himself well. Yeah. He didn't but shine. But who was, who was shining? Who, who deserves that shiny star? I'm going to say Julie. Nice. Nice choice. Nice choice. Julie was very proactive. Yep. She was very proactive when she saw Maraud was going to, you know, flip the switch to destroy Camellia. She jumped into action, even knowing that, uh, you know, she's going to get smacked around for it. She's the one who figured out how to uh, get their powers back. She was also, you know, the reason why, like, part of the reason why Matriarch, you know, evolved up. Yeah. Because, you know, she was just like, you know, Matriarch was saying, hey, you know, I thought about it. And it was like when you said Numina sent you to teach us, it made me think all these things. Yeah, so yeah, was, I kind of saw it as the Julie show in that regard for who was best. I can go with you on that. Mm-hmm. I chose Jack, and I chose Jack because of he had two amazing scenes. He had the the scene where he stepped up and started yep. whirling around Maraud. I mean, mm-hmm. he's like, "We don't have powers. We're still in this mess. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something." Yeah, because he I led can. the charge on that, and Julie was shortly behind yeah. him. And I, I yeah. really appreciated that. And just him going, wait. I got the destroyer powers. <laughs> All right, it's on. I'm sorry yeah. that that scene just stole it for me. It oh, was great. It did. It was a, my original concept was Jack, and then re going through it, I was kind of like, mm, I'm gonna. I got another point for Julie. I, I, can, so. I can. I can see. I can see Julie. I can see Julie. Mm-hmm. Julie is is right up there too. I it probably could have gone either way. Yep. I, I could have chose Julie as yeah. well. So. Either either one. Either one is a good choice. Oh, and actually, speaking of Julie, for those of you, and this is going to be a month after it came out, but. 
just came out not too long ago on the Fire and Water Network. There is a show called Ohatmu or Not. It's a show done by Siskoid and a group of ladies he knows where they go through different entries in the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. And the ladies he's uh, talking to, they don't have any real knowledge of Marvel characters. So he describes the characters in, in the Ohatmu, shows them to, to the girls, and they say whether they're hot or not. It's a fun, fun show. Not for kids. The girls can get a little raunchy, but Mm -hmm. it's a fun, fun show. And Julie Power came up, Lightspeed came up, and so they talked about her. When whenever kids come up, they don't do are they hot or not. They just kind of tell, say are they cool not. or not. Are, are, yeah, yeah. They 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 like we kind of feel awkward about that. But they 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 thought that Julie was very very cool. Uh, they they actually nice. said that she's one of the favorite power ones that they've seen yet. So yeah, awesome, yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome. So check out Oh Hot More or Not. It's a fun fun listen. So there we go. We have got our kids ranked. Let's see here. I think we mm-hmm. need to rank something else. And of course, maybe the comic we read. I think the comic book, I think that's what we got to do. And we got to have a long list. We have got a grand total of something like 60, 60 comics that we need to rank. All the way to the bottom. Yeah, we have 60. Wow. With X-Factor Annual number two. At Space 50, we have got Strange Tales 12 through 14. That's the disorderly conduct. They talk to Cloak and Dagger and they meet Punisher. It's a fun ride. All the way up at number 40, we've got Power Pack number 29, Obsession. That's where Johnny Rival with a gun and Spidey and Hobgoblin fight. Issue number 30, we have got Power Pack 23, Missing. The kids are flown to Snark World for the first time. And that's where James discovers they're missing. Uh, spot number 20, we have Power Pack 40. The New Mutants assist the pack in saving Rebecca Littlehale. It's a fun little romp. That's a fun little romp that they had with the New Mutants. Number 10, number 43, John Bogdanov classic, The Boogeyman Must Die, where Power Pack rescues their parents amid Inferno, New York. And issue number one is the one right before that with Power Pack number 42, Revenge of the Boogeyman. I know that the first part of this storyline number 50 was a very highly ranked number 14 we yes. enjoyed that one there was a lot to that book uh, we compared it really closely with the first issue the next book in the series did not do as well no it's at rank 54 power pack number 51 the numinous that's where Whoopi shows up to show power pack the way yeah. now i think that this one is better than that yes let's start here and see what do we think yeah. better or worse and I, we think I, it's better i think it's better i think it's better i think we can definitely move up i'm gonna go up above the dragon man issues because i think that these are better than those so that brings us to number 45 where power pack seeing the light that's the first one where they meet rebecca little hale okay I think it's a bit better than that one. I think okay. this is a little more composed than that. Yeah. I'm going to go, because I know you. this is not one of your favorites, but so let's look, take a look at Power Pack number 33, Spot 43, Special Effects this is with Sunspot and Warlock. I like this one uh, more than you did. So yeah. I'm actually thinking this would go right above it. And up above that one is Smoke Out. That's where Alex discovers that people smoke and it gives him a tummy ache. <laughs> Great descriptor on that, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I think that this might be a good spot for it. I, I could be convinced of maybe going a little bit higher if you want, but I think that that's a good. I'm okay with it. I think that's I think that's a fine spot for it. I think I think that this has got a little bit more composure than special effects does. I think Smoke Out is a better composed story, one and done story. Mm-hmm. But I think I think that this is in the right area for this issue. Yeah, it feels good to me. 
All right, so there we go. Power pack number 52 is now in spot 43. And now my friend, I think we should raise our glasses and have a drink. Prost. Prost. And have a drink and talk about powers combined. Powers combined. And maybe pour out a drop for poor old Queen Maraud who uh, yeah. had the powers combined and then lost. Yeah. Oh, so sad. So, so sad. <laughs> you know why? She never had the power of heart. No, no, she did not. The most important power. And she never did anything to save the Earth. In fact, she destroyed a planet. She destroyed a planet. And then an artificial planet. Yeah. And then also a bunch of space junk. Yeah, she put a bunch of space junk in space. That That's, that's going to cause problems. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, man. I tell you. What do you think about this beer? It's fine. It's This one is growing on me. Not an IPA fan, and apparently this is not an IPA, uh, but you can't convince me of that. Yeah, but it is. It is an IPA. I don't like the heavy hops in it, but I am enjoying the rest of the drink. I, it's not that cloying for me. It's it's fine. I'm kind of going into it like, ah, I don't know if I want to drink this, and I take a sip. I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm a little bit opposite on that because I'm kind of like, uh, I've been sipping at it, and then I'm like, yeah. And, I, you know, I emptied my can. It's a, a mm-hmm. pint can. But my glass, it's pretty darn full. So I've been tipping into it, but I haven't been like, yummy, yum, 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 yum. Give yeah. me some of that I'm a, in my tum, tum, tum. So it's, it's not for me, but I'm drinking it. I'm willing to give this one for myself. I, I'm willing to give this a four. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I'm actually liking it. I will say, once again, this is not a lager. This is not a lager by any stretch of the imagination. It's a dry hop lager, and it's an odd IPA is what it really boils down to for me. I'll go three. It's fine. Meh. That's what we've got for this one. Once again, this is With Our Powers Combined by Trapdoor Brewing. And also with our powers combined, we could get Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his daughter, Carrie, about the issue we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie... Take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. That was a very big stretch you had there. Yeah, nobody could really see it anyways. I saw it. Everybody who's what who's listening to this? Anyways, um <laughs> So, we read uh Power Pack No More. So apparently this is the last issue of Power Pack, right? Yeah. But when it says no more, it's only no more for a little bit. What do they mean by no more? Well, they they kind of gave all their powers to Maraud. Why would they do something like that? Because they just wanted to let the Force 4 and Kofi escape. Then then if, if this is power packed no more and they don't have their powers anymore, I mean, you said that don't, that's only at the beginning of the book. What happened the rest of the book then? Julie goes back to her, fl- her rainbow flying powers. Mm-hmm. Except the rest is a little bit more different. Alex gets cloudy power now. And Katie can do gravity. Mm-hmm. That means that Jack... Gets the disintegrating power. And you can see him smiling about it. He's like, <laughs> What do you think about this new lineup of powers? I kind of like it. It's something new. I was kind of wanting to see how different characters would experience with it, with different powers. Yeah. This can be kind of cool to see how they uh, operate with the new power sets, right? Yeah, Katie was dealing with it no problem. Yeah, it seemed like Jack didn't have any problem with his either, right? Nope. And Julie knows how to use the flight power. Yeah, I think Alex was pretty much having a lot of trouble. He had a hard time shrinking down. Mm-hmm. So he just landed on his booty. He was also, at first, having a hard time flying around. He was just hanging upside down, like, a little healthier. Seems like he always has problems, doesn't he? Yeah, he kind of does. So difficult. So difficult. And he just happens to be the oldest power sibling. I mean, come on, Alex. Learn. 
What about the rest of the book? What did you think of Ghostmare becoming the matriarch? For me, it seems like some kind of complicated word, but I think it makes her a little bit more powerful. Yeah. What did she first do with the power? She um, phases everyone on Camellia so that they won't get destroyed. That's right. That's right. So she kind of saves her planet, doesn't she? Yeah. And Camellia gets the opportunity to do what? Apologize. Well, yeah, but they also get an opportunity to go somewhere else, right? Yeah. How do they do that? By using Matriarch? Uh, Well, she helps out, but they also get a numinous points out of planet to them, right? Giant gas planet? Well, the, the giant gas planet blew up, but there was one of the moons that's now more in the right atmosphere for it to be a habitable planet. That means a planet that can sustain life, like Earth. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot of science. It is a lot of science, but that's good for you, right? Right. I notice all the powers have something to do with science or something, like gravity, density, and then the speed kind of has it. I mean... Speed and flight, yeah. Yeah. And then disintegrating kind. Yeah, that's matter. That's dealing That's dealing with matter, the conservation of matter. Because if you destroy something, then that means that you power up with it, right? So we kind of have to be used to math here. <laughs> you made a jump from science to elements into math. Okay. <laughs> science is math. Math is science. You like the book, though? Did you like this issue? I like seeing them with new powers, even though we didn't get to see them that much with the new powers. Yeah, not yet, dude. Not yet. We will, though. We'll see them with the new powers. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. Actually, what did you think of the cover of the book? It looks a little bit dark. I noticed something else, like the costumes are different. Who's got which costume? So apparently now Alex has the blue costume, Julie has has the pink costume, Katie has the gravity costume, Franklin, duh, still his costume, and Jack has the yellow costume. But I think that matches their new powers. That's right. That's right. So it's kind of a little hint about what's going to happen in the book, isn't it? I didn't get it until I read the comic. Yep. Uh, It's one of those things you might not notice right away unless you're paying really close attention. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, honey. Welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Ah, very nice. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Rick. Shout out time! We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 66 where we and our guest Waffles talked about the Spider-Man Power Pack giveaway issue, Runaway. Aaron Rausch. CH0. Charlie Rose. Chris at BTO Bat Books. Chuck Gears. Clint Robinson from the Coffee and Comics and Fan Film Fridays podcasts. Doc Strange. Green Lantern HG, who said, I've seen this subject handled in other titles and media differently, but not as good. It's hard to think about. Even harder to ignore. Great episode, guys. I think Carrie was the best voice here, letting us know that it worked, that the message came across. Hal Jordan. Hoover Jeremiah and the Four Million Years Later podcast. Ian Jackson. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. Julie Powerfan. Limax 7. Malcontent. Marco Rogers. Max Trevor. Michael Neertz. New Warriors Talk. Nicholas Prom. Power Pack Nation. Professor Frenzy. It's a show. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price, the Podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. Waffles, our most excellent guest. The worst comic podcast ever, with Colin Stapleton. Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on, our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agents episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, and monthly Monday movie muckabouts 
my show on the Longbox Crusade podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Remember, there is a new Power Pack miniseries out now. Check it out. Jeff and Merck Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in live studio audience of two, count them, two empty beer cans in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Presents, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Presents. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Tenenbaum's brother, Carnival, Snake Lady. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Acoptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Okay, I gotta admit, I I just grabbed an empty bag and it was disheartening to me. I'm like, I'll just grab this. Hey, you're light and empty. That, what kind of what kind of shenanigans are you pulling, Rick? And I'm like, oh, that's apparently the tooth fairy has been by and has taken what the beer fairy has left. I think so. Yeah, I just April fools myself. He there. <clears throat> Does that work? Is that anything? No, 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 no it's not. No, but I mean, right. I, I'm willing to. I'm willing to lean into that joke and let it just fly, fly flat like a fart in the wind. Yeah. And I got to set up for this. Really? You don't know the song by heart? Well, hey, it's a time. Maraud, leave them kids alone. alone. I know it's 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 a timing issue. Is all that it boils down to. So all that all up, just another just stock, another stock that, that will that fall. Will fall. We don't need no power transfer. How can you have your Powerball if you don't disintegrate? You! Yes, you! <laughs> oh, I'm proud of that one. Yeah. Byrell grasps. Byrell grasps. Grasps. Byrell grasps this. Byrell gets this immediately. Yeah. Uh, yes. I would probably be there with Murad going, mmm, yum. You gonna, you done with that team leader? I could, uh. <laughs> You gonna you gonna eat all that? We we are a little sick. We are a little sick, but um, yeah. Up at place fifty, we've got we, strange. Tw- What's that? I was just gonna say, have we actually? Wow, we've done all these episodes, haven't we? Crazy. Yeah. I yeah. remember when we started our first one. And now we're <laughs> more. Yeah, we've done more. <laughs>